2: Delorean went bankrupt and then once we had all our inventory it was now what are we going to do with all that stuff then we started looking at starting to make the calls
1: welcome to commando on demand insider your fast-paced weekly update straight from kim's desk to your ears i'm mike james and in just a bit kim talks with dia thompson and aiden jackson Aiden's life was saved when his friend called 911 from thousands of miles away. They were actually gaming. The story is fascinating. It's coming up in just a few moments. Also, Kim checks in with Justin DeGraff. He is the head of ads research and insights for Google. It's kind of fun to take a look at the other side of the Google experience and how some of the ads work on Google. Plus, if you own a Ring doorbell, we've got a privacy issue we're going to tell you about. And Stephen Wynn, from humble texas he is the ceo of believe it or not the delorean motor company remember the delorean and back to the future that company went out of business bankrupt uh, way back when however they're making a comeback and it's in humble texas we'll talk to him that'll be fun and later on kim is going to talk about building a website what kind of tools you need and marketing a website how do you do that Every week we find a trivia question and ask that you give us your best guess without using Google. One of the biggest technological advances over the past hundred years was developing a spacecraft that could safely take astronauts to the moon, which of course was very dangerous, and the astronauts wanted to make sure their families were taken care of just in case they didn't come home. And of course insurance companies would have been way too expensive if they could be insured at all. So they had to come up with a different idea for making money just in case. So was the Apollo 11 astronauts plan to raise money for their families appearing at parties, begging the government to give them extra money, signing autographs, or donating blood? Ah, How did they make extra money for their families just in case? Appear at parties, beg the government, sign autographs, or donate blood? Get your answer. We'll have that for you later on in this hour. And a quick reminder, this is not the Kim Commando Show. Every week, Kim gives you the very latest tech news, tips, DIYs. We take your questions on the Kim Commando Show. And for that podcast, it is a podcast that you can listen to on your schedule. Just go to getkim.com. You can also watch the show live as we record or download the live recording and watch it on your schedule. Again, that's getkim.com. All right, getting started in moments with Aiden and Carolina, the gamers whose life was saved from a friend thousands of miles away in moments on Commando On Demand Insider.
3: Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching.
0: Oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof.
3: Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.
1: It's Commando On Demand, where we talk to some of the most influential people in technology, the innovators that shape the future trailblazers who challenge and inspire us to do amazing things. Our first guest is Aiden Jackson and Dia Thompson, and they have a great story to tell. Here's Kim.
4: On the T-Mobile Unlimited listener line, we have Aiden and Carolyn. Hello there, folks, and thanks for joining us here on the show. Hi. Okay, now, the reason why I asked Manny to reach out to you guys, because it's a really amazing story that... You know, Aiden, you were playing online games when suddenly something happened, and then there was a young woman in Texas who actually called 911 in Great Britain's a version of it. And then tell us more about that.
3: So I've gotten up from my computer because I felt a little uneasy. And then I'd walked over to my bed, I sat down there, I turned my microphone around so that I could still talk to her. And then after about 20 minutes or so, I passed out. 40 minutes later, I'm waking up with my parents and police in my bedroom with Dia on the microphone still shouting, saying that I've had a seizure. Oh, gosh.
4: Now, have you ever had a seizure before?
3: Yeah, I had one uh, earlier in the year before in May, and that was my first one. This was my second one.
4: And so what happened then, Mom? Um, Well, the first I
5: knew about it was two police cars arrived outside our home, flashing lights. um, I thought they were going elsewhere. um, No, they came to our door. They told me that there was an unresponsive mail at the address. Uh, Myself and my husband said we hadn't called anyone. And they said that the call had come from America um, and it was possible seizure. So we rushed upstairs to check on Aidan and it was, it was Aidan, so...
4: And um, then polymedics arrived as well. Gosh, you know, I, but think about all the circumstances that had to happen, right? I mean, Aiden, you had to be playing with somebody who was cognizant, right? A- yeah, and I mean, aware.
3: I'd like, oh, yeah, I'd known her for like a year or so. So I, I trusted her a lot, but I wasn't really expecting her to go to such lengths to try and get help for me.
4: And then, Mom, you must have been shocked shocked. And then how are you feeling it's now, scary. Aiden? I'm,
3: I'm feeling good now, honestly. I'm uh, completely healthy, no, no problems at all. I've been diagnosed with non-photosensitive epilepsy now, so it wasn't part of the game in that um, I uh, have the seizure. So we still don't know what the cause of it was.
4: Is that right? Wow. Because, you know, I was thinking maybe there was something going on the screen that could have caused it. No? Nope. Hmm. And so, so, Mom, what was your... So what happened after the cops came over, the police came over? Um, well, when
5: they came upstairs and they checked on him with me, they realized that he um, was very disorientated. He couldn't answer questions about what day it was, what year it was. Uh, so they um, got on their radios and confirmed that the ambulance was required. Um, And then we waited for the paramedics to arrive, and then we went off to hospital.
4: And so what did you say to Dia in Texas after all this happened, Aidan?
3: Well, I couldn't actually get contact with her on the night until about three or four hours later. So I'd forgotten my phone, so I had to use my mum's iPad to contact her. And I was just constantly saying, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You don't need to worry. I was thanking her the entire time because she explained what she did. And it was just kind of a surreal moment because I wasn't expecting, like I said earlier, I wasn't expecting her to go to such
4: lengths. Well, I'll tell you, she must have really cared about you. She was worried about you. And thank God she did, right? Yeah. And so, you know, when people say that it's bad playing video games, maybe not so much that you can create these bonds and... With friends, or so. Do you think you guys are truly friends? Oh,
3: definitely, yeah.
4: Have you? Do you have any plans to see each other? Uh, We met
3: recently, actually, in New York on the Tamron Hall show.
4: Oh, you did! Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, so was it was it awkward at first meeting somebody who you only knew online?
3: It was more emotional uh, than awkward, honestly, because we were sat on the sofa on the on the set. And then they brought her out after the break and we both just she ran to me and I ran to her and it was just kind of a big big moment for both of us finally getting to see each other. Oh,
4: what a great story. That is, you know what? Thanks so much for joining us because you know what it goes to show that with video games it's not just about who's playing and what they're doing, that you really can create these bonds over the miles. And, and that's what happens when you are playing these video games. And thanks again for joining us. Really an amazing story when you think about it. Here's a girl playing in Texas with a guy in Great Britain that goes silent on the headset. And rather than her just walking away and saying, oh, I guess he's not playing anymore, she actually takes it upon herself and say, you know what, something's wrong. I feel that something's wrong. She goes out of her way to contact the authorities in Great Britain, then they go to the house, knock on the door, the mother's like, hmm, we didn't call you, we don't know why you're here, only to find out that her son has had, actually had a seizure upstairs.
1: Remember, if you have a question about something digital, you can get unbiased advice that you can trust from America's Digital Pro. Go to commando.com, and in the upper right-hand corner, there is a button called Be a Caller. You just click on that. We'll get a couple of details about your question for Kim, and then a producer will call you back and sign you up for a call on the show. We appreciate that. Just ahead, Justin DeGraff. He is the head of ads research and insights for Google. Next on Commando On
4: Demand Insider. As the coronavirus continues to spread, the stock market isn't the only thing taking a big hit. Two things have become clear with the coronavirus. First, because China is run by a secretive communist government, no one trusts any information they provide. If it weren't for videos and snippets of news that have somehow made it through China's Great Firewall, we would know even less than we do now. Secondly, China's secrecy is breeding fear and misinformation. A company called AppsFlyer keeps track of how many flights and hotels are booked on apps. Based on fear alone, bookings have declined steeply since the coronavirus news leaked out of China. On the other hand, entertainment apps and on-demand video are trending up as people are slowly beginning to retreat to their homes where they feel safe to have some fun and enjoy entertainment.
1: Listen up. Well, Commando listeners know technology moves really fast and it's almost impossible to keep up with everything that's going on. that's why there's Commando On Demand Insider. It's our way of keeping you informed and on the cutting edge of technology. Our next guest is Justin DeGraff. He is the head of ads research and insights for Google. Here's Kim.
4: Online marketing is all about connecting with your customers and giving them a reason to spend money with you over the competition. It's not easy. And that's where our next guest comes in. If you have a business online or you're just curious about how it all works, you've come to the right place. Joining us is Justin DeGraff and he's the head of ads research and insights for Google. Welcome to the Kim Commando Show, Justin. Boy, that's a big title. What exactly
6: do you do? Hey, thanks for having me, Kim. It's good to be here. So my team at Google is responsible for learning more about what people need and helping our marketers and our advertising clients learn more about that.
4: And so why do people go and do a Google search in the first place?
6: Well, look, when I woke up this morning, I said, I need a cup of coffee. When my wife and I were looking for a car recently, we said, we need one with enough space for two car seats. People, when they come to Google, have needs they're trying to fulfill. And we're trying to understand what those needs are beyond just the obvious thing they type. So that we can show up better for them and be more productive for their searches.
4: And that's a practical use. But a video that I saw that you talked about six different states. Can you elaborate on that?
6: Yeah, that's right. So when we did some research with a research partner of ours who has an opt-in set of panelists that are helping us do research. And what we learned when we spoke with those people is we learned hey, when you come to google.com, what is it that you actually need? There's the practical thing you described, but we also learned that they're coming to be thrilled, to be impressed or be impressive, to be educated, to be uh, reassured, to be helped and to be surprised. And those help describe a little bit more of the emotional needs that are behind the things they type in.
4: How can I use that information to my benefit?
6: Great, great question. So here's the thing. People uh, turn to Google because we help connect them to really relevant results. Marketers, when they show up more for a person's needs, they're going to drive more sales. And I'll give you an example uh, that we saw. I was speaking with a woman in New Jersey. She was part of our opt-in research. And I was asking her about some of the queries she had done recently, one of which was, looking for bouncy houses near her. She was a mom of two. She needed to find a bouncy house. That was what she typed into Google. But when we talked to her about what were the underlying needs for that, what was driving it, she told us things like she wanted a fun activity, something that would be memorable for her daughters, something that would be more... Uh, More than just uh, screen time, it would be more about uh, physical activity. And she wanted to show up to her daughters as a good mom. She was looking for Google to help her show up for her family in a certain way. And when marketers do that, they're able to connect the dot to not just the thing that they're selling, but also solve the needs that they have. And we know, just like you or me, the needs we have are just a fundamental element of humanity. So working to learn those and appreciate them is a good way to build a partnership.
4: Now, let's say that I'm a small business owner and I want to use everything that you said to my advantage. What are some key strategies that I should implement?
6: One of the key points my team and Google tries to make is that understanding those needs are the ways that you're going to drive growth. And that can show up in a bunch of different ways. So when, if you're going to be doing search advertising, for example, or any advertising, trying to listen more about what people might need in that moment is important. So I have another example from our opt-in research. We had uh, someone whose search journey for an automobile started with this search, one of my favorites uh, since joining Google. What car should I drive if I make 150K? Okay. Great, great question. He was expecting to find uh, a car that matched his new status. He had met a really important milestone of uh, income and a salary that he wanted to have a vehicle that showed up for him in the same way that was in line with what he pictured as his status. What we saw in the results is that he was seeing things more in line with financial planning and how much car could he afford. So an, a brand advertiser who sells cars that might be a good fit for someone looking for that impressive need state to be impressive, might show up with the right content, might actually show up at all, and might refer them to a section of their website or a YouTube video that makes clear that they're going to help you arrive at that status you think you need in that moment.
4: And so that was the impress me state. What is the
6: thrill me state? Throw Me is one of the most exciting ones as described by the name. And this is something where we saw that uh, searches were more open ended. And so when people show up to Google with that, they're looking for us to give them something unexpected to help make a connection to something they wouldn't know about necessarily. And where advertisers, small businesses can use this is to really show, hey, we got you. We understand the keywords you're looking for. And we think we have something really unique for you that you may not have known about.
4: Well, you know, Justin, this is all really fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for sharing your research with us and your time and coming on the Kim Commando Show because we have a lot of small business listeners and viewers. And it's incredible just how much we can learn about people from the things that they're actually searching for.
1: Hey, if you want to stay up on the very latest breaking tech news, security alerts, data breaches, and so much more, get digital know-how with Kim's free newsletters. We also have an Android newsletter and an Apple newsletter. Get yours at commando.com. That's K-O-M-A-N-D-O. And in the top right, click on Get the Newsletters, and you got it. Hey, did you answer our trivia question? Of course, Apollo 11 had uh, three astronauts that were a little bit nervous about going up into space and concerned with what would happen to their families if they didn't come back. So they had to make some extra money. How did they do it? Did they appear at parties, beg the government, sign autographs or donate blood? The answer coming up in the next segment. And later on, we've got a guy who's starting a catering company but wants to... Get a website, and he wants his 11-year-old son to do it. What would Kim recommend? We'll find out. Just ahead, Stephen Wynn. He is the new CEO of the DeLorean Motor Company. How's it going? We'll find out next on Commando on Demand
4: Insider. If you have a Ring doorbell, you have a real privacy problem. Ring doorbell users, ask yourself this question. Why would Amazon, the company that purchased Ring for a billion dollars, be sharing with Facebook of all companies? Photos, dates, and times of everyone coming to your door. The Watchdog Group, Electronic Frontier Foundation, is asking this question and so far has received no answer. And it gets worse. The foundation also discovered that the Ring Doorbell app is, quoting now, packed with third-party trackers sending out a plethora of personally identifiable information about all Ring customers. Amazon says that it will soon allow Ring customers to block certain data. But they're not saying what data, and they're not saying who they will continue to share that data with. Yes. Ring is convenient, but it's very, very intrusive.
1: Hey, you can Google anything and watch YouTube videos of who knows what, but to get Kim's trusted advice, you want to check out the Commando community. And that's at GetKim.com. Again, GetKim.com. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We
0: don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going,
2: we don't need
4: roads. The Back to the Future movie trilogy helped establish the DMC DeLorean as an 80s icon. And our next guest is one of the only people in the country who still repairs and maintains DeLoreans. And now he wants to bring the icon back and into the future. And joining me now is Stephen Wynn, CEO of the DeLorean Motor Company. Stephen, thanks for joining us. And so how did you get involved in the DeLoreans?
2: Uh, I- I'm an English car mechanic that specialized in uh, English and French cars, and DeLorean is essentially an English and French car. So when I came to America, it seemed like the logical path to follow.
4: But then, so you started repairing them, and now you own the company?
2: Yes, uh, started repairing them, um, you know, in the 80s, right after the company went out of business. and uh, Had the opportunity along the way to buy all of the remaining inventory after the, after the original DeLorean went bankrupt. Um, and then once we had all that inventory it was okay now what are we going to do with all that stuff so as well as service and repairing the cars then we started looking um at at, at starting to make the cars but um unfortunately you can't just go making an old car yet they have to confirm to the regulations and a 1980s car doesn't confirm to the current regulations so We were able to get together with SEMA and a bunch of the other uh, people who work with Replica cars, and um, we got the law changed or or got uh, President Obama to sign it in in December of 2015 that allowed for replicas to be made. Um, And and at that time, NHTSA was given 12 months to come up with the final guidelines, and and unfortunately, here we are five years down the road, and we're still waiting for those final Uh guidelines.
4: And so how many DeLoreans were made in the 80s? Uh,
2: originally, there was about 9,200 cars made.
4: Can I buy a new DeLorean from you?
2: You can't at present, no, uh, until we go into production, which again, we're, we're waiting for those final guidelines, which we're hoping to receive by the end of this year. Then once that happens, then we'll we'll, we'll start again with the engineering process of what it's going to take to to put the car together. and all things being equal about this time next year will, will probably about be about the best case scenario for us to start being able to deliver new cars.
4: So let's say I wanted to make a pre-order on a brand new DeLorean. What would that car look like?
2: It's going to look exactly like the original car. You know, the, the, the replica program says that it has to be uh, to match the original, which we really don't want to mess with the original car because it's such an iconic design uh, uh, and that, and that's what our brand is all about for now.
4: So what were some quirky things about the DeLorean? I mean, aside from the wing doors.
2: Well, well, you know, the obvious one is the wing doors, but, but also the fact that it has stainless steel body panels that were not painted. Um, and the way the car is also constructed, it has a, a chassis, a fiberglass underbody, and then the stainless skins attached to it. So, so that, that makes it kind of unique to what you see around today because most cars today are a unibody construction where the body and chassis are all as one.
4: Does that make the car heavy? How much does the car weigh?
2: No, it, no they weigh about 2,800 pounds, which by today's standards is actually quite light. That's, and, and what you asked there is a very common perception that people have. They think that, you know, that it's, you know, it's 100% stainless, so it's going to be super heavy. But because it's got a fiberglass underbody, that actually helps reduce the weight.
4: And so what about the cassette player?
2: Yes, yes, yes. So the original specification was an AM FM cassette with four speakers. Unfortunately, that's not going to make it with the next go around.
4: You're going to have to have like Android player or Apple CarPlay, right? Uh,
2: oh, yeah. Obviously, our customer base or our, our customer base is is, is very uh, tech savvy, so we would have to be up to date with all of the current trends as far as in-car entertainment and and features inside the car for sure.
4: So when you're driving around Houston in a DeLorean, do you get a lot of looks?
2: Oh, You cannot believe it. It's insane. And it's been this way for, you know, I've been driving DeLoreans now for 38 years. And uh, it, 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 I'd say the car is more recognizable today than what it was when it was new.
4: So when we look at the iconic version of the DeLorean, what can you add to it as a replica?
2: Exterior-wise, we're pretty well locked in. Um, it, it'll have some things like the wheels will be larger because we need to put bigger brakes on the car, and that's going to be a mechanical improvement. But but the outside of the car, I'm very, very happy with it, and, and, and it's so instantly, iconically recognizable that um, I don't really want to change it, plus the fact that um, you know, I'm sitting on the, all of this inventory of body panels that we have to make the car. So it, at this stage, it doesn't pay to tool up to make a different car when we have this inventory that we can use for the for the assembly.
4: Well, you know, I think it was in 2019. I was at the Barrett Jackson car auction in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I saw a Delorean go over the block. Uh, two owners. I think it had 5,700 miles. And it sold for roughly thirty-eight thousand dollars U.S. dollars. How does that yep. compare to, say, a year from now when you're going to be selling a DeLorean?
2: Probably that car that you've seen a couple of years ago today is is probably a fifty to sixty thousand dollar car. Wow! And and you know, De- De- DeLoreans are just going up in value, which is great. You know, it's it's really it really helps the brand. Um, but, but with the new car, we haven't quite finished the bill of materials, so we don't really have an idea of what it's going to be, but it's going to be, you know, probably in the mid to low 150s, just, just because that's what it takes to put a car together these days.
4: Now, one last question. Well it have any flux capacitors?
2: no 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 we'll leave all the movie prop stuff for the movies and and we'll keep this as the real deal
4: (laughs) that's good hey steven thanks so much for joining us it's been a real pleasure you know we're looking forward to taking our own time machine for a spin when production is finally finished
1: hey it's time already for the answer to our tech trivia question one of the biggest challenges over the past hundred years is to build a spacecraft to take astronauts to the moon. It was incredibly dangerous, and the astronauts were concerned for their families and how they would be taken care of if the astronauts didn't return. Well, they came up with a way to make some extra money just in case. Was it appearing at parties, begging the government for some extra dough, signing autographs, or donating blood? The answer is signing autographs. Even before going to the moon, the Apollo 11 astronauts were famous. So Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins spent time before the launch signing hundreds of popular collectibles called covers, which were envelopes autographed and then postmarked on important dates. A friend had the covers postmarked on the day of the launch and the day they landed on the moon and gave them to the astronauts' families so they could sell them if something went wrong. But as you know, they did make it home safely, One of the insurance covers that was kept by Buzz Aldrin was put up for auction a couple of years ago. It sold for nearly $13,000. Wow. So I guess that insurance policy became a partial retirement policy. And here now is Kim with some tips on building a website, what kind of tools you need, and marketing a website.
4: All right, Marcus on our T Mobile Unlimited listener line in Austin, Texas. Hello there, Marcus.
0: Hello, Kim. I've been a huge fan and listened to you for over 10 years.
4: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. What's going on in Austin?
0: Uh, I have a question for you, and maybe you can help me out. I'm looking to do a startup uh, catering company, personal chef catering company, um, and I have an 11 year old son, and he's a Techy, we've been listening to you for a long time. It was actually his suggestion to reach out. You know, why don't we talk to Kim and see what she thinks? I want to give him a challenge to build my website for me uh, for this for the startup company. And so, and we just need some direction from you and, and what you think and your thoughts are.
4: Wait, your son is so smart, isn't he? Yeah.
0: He, oh, yes. He, he. Yes. He's way past what I, I know about any type of computer and technology.
4: Well, here's the deal, is that there's the easy way, and then there's what I would think would be the best way, okay? The easy way is you say, okay, what's your son's name? It's Alex. Okay, so you say, okay, Alex, just go over to, like, Squarespace or Wix and get me a template, and, and let's build out the catering company, and all he has to do is, like, fill in the blanks. Mm, not so much, right? So what I would suggest is that he starts learning a platform called WordPress, And what's really great is that it's free, and there's a ton of tutorials out there on how to do it. And it also has to do with templates, and there are free templates that he can download and use. But it's like putting together a puzzle. And when you look at commando.com, and a lot of the big websites, they're actually built on a WordPress platform. And so I would encourage him to learn WordPress. There's also, as I mentioned, these themes. Make sure that it's responsive so it works on a phone, a tablet, also works on a desktop for those people that are using it. Um, and then you also want to look at other tools to put into this. Google Analytics so you know how your page is performing and heat maps so that you can see which where people are going and where they're actually coming in off of the search sites. And so what are they typing in in order to find you so that this way you can create more blogs about that and start doing meta tags? And then also it comes with the search console. And so we want to make sure that we have all those components in it for Alex so that this way you guys can work on this together, you can tweak it. And so who's going to take all the photographs of the great food?
0: Yeah, (laughs) <laughs> That's Alex too. He he enjoys photography too as well. So he's 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 a he's a techie, and I'm trying to keep up with him. Um, I also can we expand that platform too as well? Let's say we get bigger and oh, sure. uh, we yes. want to bring in. Other, other chefs into the platform so that they can look at it too.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean that's the beautiful thing about WordPress. It's it's user generated. And then when you start looking at different there's also plugins that you'll be able to attach to the main website. And there are specialty plugins. It's it's actually a very robust platform. And I know like when we were redesigning Commando.com, well when we started about a year ago and we rolled out the new version in uh, November of last year is that when I was in some of these development meetings in, in the beginning people would say like oh we want to build it on WordPress and I'm like no I don't think we want to do that we need to have a, a you know a better language and we want and then when you start looking at it you're like hmm WordPress easy to use a lot of people know it okay easy to support and it has a ton of plugins it has a community behind it it actually is a really, really great thing. Here's what I'd like to do. Manny, if you could take a note, and Chris, if you could take a note as well, is I'd like to send Alex a, a Kim Commando swag bag. And, and as he starts going in his programming career, if you guys are ever in Phoenix, Marcus, I want you to be sure that you contact us because I want to make sure that I can say hello to, to Marcus as well as Alex, your son, and one-on-one. And thank you so much for your trust. And let me know when the site comes out because I totally want to check it out. Uh, Eric in Green Bay Wisconsin
7: hi there Eric hi Kim thanks for having me you
4: betcha. what's going on
7: um, I uh, I'm developing an application um, it's a education platform and I'm gonna to need to start marketing it soon um, it's so it's, it's a user created content platform kind of like Craigslist if, if people didn't put anything for sale on Craigslist it would just be an empty site my, my, my platform offers uh, educators or teachers to um, offer some sort of a, a firsthand educational experience, a workshop or a class. And then my student users could peruse the variety of classes in their local area and take that class, like pottery or welding or how to repair a car or tutoring or music or dance or wrestling, anything. So I need to develop a marketing plan.
4: Okay. That's my question. Okay, so so your first step is now you need to develop a marketing plan, and so you're wondering how you do that. Yes. All right. Um, It's a lot of work. It's no really different than a complete business plan. Anytime you want to do a new venture, you really should start with a business plan, and marketing becomes a piece of it, because the business plan is going to cover the profit and loss, where the money's going. And once we start getting revenues, where that money is going to be going after, your marketing plan is going to be, I don't want to say it's complicated because you're reaching a really a subset of society. And those are teachers, right? Yes. Okay. So
7: not just teachers, every any person that can offer some reasonable amount of education on a subject, but not, not, not necessarily certified teachers, any person that could.
4: Okay. And then how are you going to vet that person?
7: Um, they'll create a profile and they're going to get vetted by other users. So they'll get rated on the previous classes.
4: Okay. So you know that there are already platforms like this, like like Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, Udemy. Okay. Um, so before you start going down this path, look and see exactly what they're doing. Because okay. because how it works sounds a little bit about what you're talking about on Linda L Y N D A again it's not L I uh, and Udemy or it's like or U D E M Y like you know like academy but it starts with the U okay mm-hmm. basically it works twofold is that number one is that if I'm an instructor. Uh, and again, I don't need to have a lot of credentials. I can sign up and I can submit my lesson plan. I can do uh, lessons over on webinars or on YouTube or video or anything like that. And then I can get paid per student that comes in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And students rate the classes. Yeah. And then accordingly, um, you know, I can buy a subscription for like $40 a month or $25 a month. And then I can take these classes. I'm not an instructor. I can take as many classes as I want, or I can take 15 classes. You know, they have different levels. Yes. Okay. So before you venture into this, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing I would not suggest is if you started to compete against Google. I did have somebody call me not too recently, and they said, you know, I have the best search site. I'm going to, like, blow Google out of the water. I'm like, mm, not thinking that. Not thinking that that's going to ever be a possibility. you know, you want to pick your competitors, right? That's not one I want to go after, Uh, you know, and both of these are big companies. That's not saying that you could not do it faster, better, more lucrative, get things out there, Uh, get some VC money behind you, get some good talent behind you. You know, there's also a site that I would encourage you to look at just because it is so unique in classes. It's called masterclass. And Masterclass, believe it or not, Eric, it's a place where you can go to have Annie Leibovitz teach you photography. Steven Spielberg will teach you movie-making secrets. Uh, Jackson Brown will teach you how to play the guitar along with James Taylor. Okay. You know, that's cool. That's different.
7: So, Kim, one thing that's kind of different about this is... um, so, my platform acts as a, uh, an intermediary to connect the student and the teacher in a first hand experience, like in uh, the workshop environment or in the classroom or wherever the teacher wants to hold that class. So,
4: so, they, so they could how, actually go to the class in person. Y- that's how, yes.
7: Okay. That's how, that, that's, that's where my platform is intended. So, like, if you want a hands on gardening class, you could go to, sue in your neighborhood and she okay. can give you her $10 okay. class.
4: All right. You know what? That's fantastic. Okay. But I still would encourage you to look at these other businesses just because I want mm-hmm. you to learn from them. Okay. And then once you learn from them and start looking at the marketing techniques, that's where you start looking at other apps that focus on neighborhoods like nextdoor.com. Okay. And you can start seeing how that, and that, may be some, that would, might, might even be a place where I would actually advertise on. I know? just thought that same thing. Okay. You know, and so, or even like in some Reddit subs categories in communities, because Reddit is pretty cheap to advertise. You know, Facebook, you can target down to zip codes. Yep. And male, female between 35, 45 that wants to learn gardening from, you know, Mary and Phoenix or whoever it may be. So the whole thing about marketing right now is it used to be that we used to throw a whole bunch of stuff on the wall and we would see what sticks, okay? I was just talking to Jasmine about data analytics. It doesn't work that way anymore. You know, you could show a video on uh, Facebook, a 30-second video of beautiful gardens and, or say, or terrible gardens, and say, if your garden looks like this, in two classes, you could learn so it would look like this. Okay. Visual. People want to see it. They want to experience it. They want to feel it. Does that make sense? Okay.
7: Yeah, yeah. So maybe some video cameos of, of some classes in action.
4: Mm, I wouldn't want to do the classes. That looks like work. If you tell me the result, then I get instant gratification.
7: <laughs> yeah, that's what people want, isn't it?
4: Exactly. You know, they don't, yeah, people probably. don't want to work anymore. They just want, they just want the results. They just want the fruits of anybody else's labor. So, yeah. so I would go after, you know, what sells fear, okay, greed. I want that garden, I want that sexy garden, I want those flowers, fear, sex, or greed. Those are the three okay. things that sell. If you talk to anybody on Madison Avenue, That's what they're talking about, those three things that sell. And if you start looking at any commercial on the Super Bowl or any other commercial that you see online, at the end of the day, it's fear, sex, or greed.
1: Hey, thanks so much for listening to Commando on Demand Insider. We sure hope that you found this helpful and found a few gems to take with you. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate that. On behalf of all of us at Commander.com, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.